Last week we talked about boogeymen, so at least this is a real threat. <laughs> and uh, so we talked about the boogeymen in the basement. We talked about fears, and I'm telling you, those two weeks before I preached it, as I said, man, we 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 fought the boogeyman. We fought a demon. Fear is. I believe fear is one of the devil's strongest strongholds. If he can get you there, if he gets you afraid, he doesn't really need to do anything else because if you're afraid, you won't move forward. If you're afraid, you won't, you won't hardly pray. You'll, you'll pray in fear instead of faith. But how many believe we got a victory last Sunday? The altars were full and God just moved. And I tell you, that, that old demon of fear, I haven't seen him at all this week. Anybody else? Who are you, Great Mountain? Come on. You can talk that way. You can talk that way because Jesus lives in you. But this is such a big, big topic. It can't really be covered in 30 minutes. So I want to do part two. Y'all ready for part two? Just a different way of looking at it. You know where I'm going. Numbers chapter 13, when we talk about when they spied out the land. In fact, next week we're going to spy out the land. And I hope all the spies come back with a good report. Don't sit there in your seat and go, I don't think so. so. So send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving. Say, I'm giving. Giving to the children of Israel. How many know God gives you what comes to you? From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. Verse 17, then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up this way into the south, go up to the mountains, see what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. It's okay to evaluate your situation. That's not questioning God. That's just looking realistically on what you're facing right now. Whether the land, they, okay, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. You know, are they walled cities or unwalled cities? Whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are forests there or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. I'm, gonna, I, I'm asking God for a little bit of fruit next week. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. Then they came to the valley of Eshcol, and there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they carried it between two of them on a pole. Oh, those are grapes. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. The place was called the valley of Eshcol because of the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days, after 40 days. Now, they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron, all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Mm -hmm. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, how many know your promise, well, never mind, are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The, the, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, all the ites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. The ites are everywhere. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, 
You know, that committee should have got their act together before they reported. But the men who had gone up in them, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Every man we saw was seven foot, every man. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like in our own sight, and so we were in their Sight. I don't know how they knew that. There were spies hiding out. So I don't know how they knew how, uh, what the, inher- the, the inhabitants of the land didn't even know they were there. Are you ready for this? The land, uh, and listen, every time the Bible says land, you could take the word land out and put the word promise in. It's the promised land. For the Israelites, it was land. And uh, you may not be praying for or believing for land. Maybe you are. But more importantly than a piece of land, an acre of ground, is the promise that God has given you for your life. So there's a promise, right? And, and the promise ahead is fruitful. There's fruit in the land. It is not a dry land. Your future is not bad. Your future is good. Not that you don't have some issues out there, but there's plenty of fruit for the future. There, listen, there's plenty of fruit. There's grapes and pomegranates and figs. Amen. And you may not like any of that, but there's a lot of other good stuff. There's all kinds of good stuff ahead for you. Your promise is full of fruit. Your future is fruitful. Give God praise for that. Amen. But the land ahead of you is defended by giants. You do have to battle for what belongs to you. You do have to speak to that mountain and cast it out. You can't just sit there and look at the mountain and say, well, I'll move when it moves. No, you're going to have to move it. And, by, and the Bible, and Jesus said, if you just got faith like little bitty mustard seed, you can move that mountain. By the way, I'm glad he said that because there are times in my life that's all I got. But that's all you need. So it's defended by giants. It's defended by things and obstacles that are bigger than you. They're called giants. They're bigger, stronger, maybe smarter. Listen, the devil's been around a long time. He has a lot of experience. And all his demons have been around. So it's defended by by giants, but you need to have a confession, and you need to have a profession, and it needs to say, we are well able to take the land. I'm outnumbered, but I can take it. I'm overwhelmed, but I can take it. I'm outnumbered, but I can take it. There's more of them than there is of me, but I can take it. They're bigger, smarter, stronger, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do this. Come on and praise him, amen. Oh, praise the Lord. Is anybody believing that this is possible? I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Fear of the giants will keep you in the desert. I I guess I need to say that again. Fear of giants 
will keep you in the desert. You know, we often talk about that generation that disobeyed God and had to die in the wilderness. Now, I've often thought, what if you were, the, you were that guy? You were that last one. And everybody's waiting for you to die. <laughs> if that old codger would just die, we could go into the promised land. But, but watch this, watch this. We often talk about that generation that had to die because they were disobedient. They died in the wilderness. If you're going to disobey God, you're going to die in the wilderness. But what about that generation that was born in the wilderness? What, what can we say about them? There's a whole generation in the desert, and it's not their fault. It was the fault of, their, of the generation You know what really gets me upset when I go to churches and we do church consulting and we begin to put ideas and put it out there and they say, no, nah, we don't want to change. We want to see revival. We want to see young people come. Well, this is what you got to change. No, we're not willing to change. They say now, a lot of it's COVID, 1,500 churches a month are just closing their doors. There are tens of thousands of churches where everybody in the church is 60, 70, or 80 years old. Everybody in the church. If you're in your 50s, you are the youth group. They sit around talking, yeah, those young people. I'm 58 years old. What are you talking about me? 40 years, people are being born in the desert. You ask me, Pastor, you know, how many know I've been committed to reaching a younger generation? Churches today are really good at keeping the older people with the money happy. But, they're, but they've not been very successful at reaching a younger generation that speaks a whole different kind of language. And we've been over backwards, and, and really our church is evenly divided between the three age groups in, in terms of number of households. There's just as many in their 20s and 30s, number of households, as there are uh, uh, 40s, 50s, and, 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 and 62 and over. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Where do you hear stuff like that? God has been good, and we have, listen, any, that, that means anybody of any age feels comfortable at Journey Life Center. Or maybe all three generations don't feel comfortable because we're, I'm not sure if I'm making everybody happy or everybody mad, but we're, we're trying. We're trying to do what God wants us to do because God's heart is for that younger generation. I, I, look, I look at the generation I grew up in, and, and, and we're kind of like the Egypt generation. We have fought some battles. There, there's people here that remember World War II. Well, maybe not. They're, I'm looking for Stitz, and Stitz isn't here. Uh, there's uh, Korean War. My, my dad was wounded, seriously wounded in the Korean War. Bore, bore the scars all his life. Vietnam. Come on. I, I was in. I fought the Vietnam War. I was on the south side of Chicago, but I fought. <laughs> listen, listen. We, we've been through, and listen, people talk about uh, the race riots, and they talk about all the stuff going on now, and, and woke, and all the, all the societal, generational change. Listen, those of you that lived in the 60s and 70s, how many know we went through some changes? 
We went through some major changes. There was societal change like, like the world has never. We lived through all that. Just listen to the music of the 70s. It's all protest music, beautiful music, but all protest music. We, we, we've been through. We're, we're, the, we're, we're battle-worn. Come on, baby boomers. But for the last 40 years, the millennials started, 1982, and then the Generation Z. Well, we, you, got, you got millennials. And, and you got, and then just before there was Generation X, but you got your generation, your name is X. They're like the middle child. They're ignored. You are the middle. No one ever talks about Generation X. They're just like, am I a millennial? Am I a boomer? I don't know what I am. Yeah. They, don't, they don't know where they are. I'm not even going to preach about Generation X. But the millennials started in 82, and now you got Generation Z, and Generation Z is starting to go to college. So, so th- this, this generation, why, why are you saying all this? Because the, I, I felt like the Lord was telling me that you got the boomers and extras. We, we kind of been through the, the Egyptian battles, right? But this generation of millennials, a lot of them, maybe the majority of them have never been to church. They're in a desert. We're talking about a spiritual generation. I don't know what we did wrong to raise some of these kids, but they're not in church. They don't believe in God. They're chasing all kinds of weird things. They're re- Listen, you're going to have a religion, but it's going to be weird. You're going to worship something. So we have a whole generation, 40 years, of, of kids, uh, now grown, but kids that, that have been raised in a void, in an emptiness, in a desert. And I am convinced, church, that sooner or later, they're going to get hungry for God. Sooner or later. Listen, when I got saved, it was because I had tried everything else and nothing worked but Jesus. I looked at the Buddhist. I looked at I looked at drugs. I looked I looked at everything, you know. I looked at reincarnation. I was afraid I'd come back as a bug, so I said, Jesus. I didn't think I'd get a promotion if I came back the way my life was going. I, I tried everything, amen. And I began to read this book, amen, by, by Wilkerson and uh, all the prophecies of the Bible and how they all came true. And I said, you know what? If the Bible's true about the prophecies, maybe it's true about Jesus too, amen. And I gave my heart to Jesus. I came out of Egypt, hallelujah. But there's an entire generation in the wilderness, and I'm predicting, I'm prophesying in the name of Jesus, they are coming out. There's a revival coming to the land. So, oh, Pastor, things are getting worse. Yes. The longer you're in the desert, the worse it gets. But all you got to do is cross that river called Jordan, and you're in a land with homes you didn't have to build and fields you didn't have to plow. Hallelujah. And animals and livestock you didn't have to raise, and everything is given, everything is handed to you. Amen. You walk into your promise, but you got to fight a few giants. So I know what you're going to say, Pastor. You got to say, you got to be strong. You need to be strong. Let's look at it another way. It's not just about getting strength for the battle. It's realizing that a lot of your strength comes in the battle. David did not have the tools to kill Goliath. All he had was a rock to knock him down. I think a lot of us are knocking our problems down, and then they get back up. 
But in the middle of that battle, as, as, as Goliath is days laying on the ground, and how many know that sword probably weighed more than 19-year-old David? How in the world did he raise that sword and cut off the head? I'll tell you how. In the midst of the battle, God gave him strength. Listen, you're going to get your strength, not for the battle, but from the battle. Don't be afraid of the battle. Don't be afraid of what you're facing. Get out there. Get in the battle. Because in the middle of the war, God will give you strength that you need to finish the job. This is what you have to do to get ahead in the world. Numbers chapter 14. Verse 6, watch this. But Joshua, the son of Nun, he had a father. That's his father's name. Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of uh, that guy, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. And they spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, The land we pass through to spy out is exceedingly good land. I'm here to tell you your future looks good. Glory to God. And if the Lord delights in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us. A land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our. They are our. He's not just going to feed you bread for the battle. He's going to give you bread in the battle. In fact, Goliath is your bread. The very thing that sustains you, oh, I know you haven't heard anyone preach this, but we got to preach this. Your strength, your bread comes from, the, you don't lose things in the battle, you gain bread in the, they are our bread. The bread, the bread is in the battle. Say, Pastor, can you prove that in the scriptures? Yeah, yeah, Jesus said, pray this every day, give us this day. Our daily bread. That means in the battle, out of the battle. That means on the mountaintop and in the valley. Ah, God, just give me bread. Give me bread when I'm not fighting. Give me bread when I am fighting. Give me bread, bread. Give me bread every day. Give me bread. Psalms 23, we've talked about this. He prepares a table before me in the presence, in the presence of my enemies. Now, can I scratch that? Let's go. Let's peel the onion a little bit because I've been preaching that this way. I've been preaching it that you're sitting at a table calmly eating your steak and lobster while there's a war going on around you, right? Now, that's true. How many believe you can have peace in the battle? Though everything's crumbling around you, greater is he that is in you. So you can have peace. But if, if, if our giant is our bread, how many know there's something called spoils of war? What he says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's that we're, we're slicing and dicing the enemy and taking his bread, and God puts it on our table. The victory you win is going to fill your table. With the blessings of God. As you destroy your enemy, God is filling your barn with all the bread of heaven. In the tabernacle, remember there's a, there's a table, right? When you first come into the tabernacle, 
It's 15 by 15. On your right, there's a table with 12 loaves of bread. Amen? On your left is the candlestick with the seven candles. Right in front of you is the altar of incense. Beyond that, you go through the veil into the Holy of Holies. But there's a table. There's a table with 12 loaves of bread. And they call the bread showbread. Remember that? Showbread. What? That, that's not a word you use every day. Showbread. What is showbread? S-H-E-W, shoebread. Because that word bread isn't just the word for bread. It literally means the bread of faces. And it's the table of faces. It's not an empty table. It's a table with the angels of the Lord around. It's a table with the presence, the face of God is at the table. The table is not just for nourishment. It's for fellowship. The table is not just where you get strength. It's where you enjoy the presence of the Lord. Come on, how, 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 how many cooks do we have out there? And you, when you cook a meal, how great is it to have, every, have all the family sitting down and everyone's eating and everyone's enjoying your meal and everyone's talking and everyone's having a good time, right? Until that weird uncle shows up and everything falls apart. Pastor, you've been to my house. I don't need to. I'm here to tell you there's something about it. Eating is not just about eating. It's about fellowshipping. It's about sharing. We break bread. We share bread. God's given me a message about the Last Supper. I want to get into it right now, but no, I can't. Oh, that'd be another hour. Listen to, listen to me. There is a table spread where the saints of God are fed. He prepares a table. It's Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. No man, say no man, say no giant, say no fear shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. One person said, you know, it would be cool to change this a little bit if you give me permission. God's speaking here about Jesus. As I was with Jesus, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you should divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. There, there, are, there are family generational blessings that you need to start claiming. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. Listen, listen. That you may what? Prosper. What's, what's, what's the requirement for prosperity? Obedience. You can't disobey God and prosper. That you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. I heard, the word, I heard the word of the Lord this week saying, it's not enough to hear it, it's time to start speaking it. 
It's not enough to walk out of here and say, oh, that was a great message. Oh, that was a great message. Amen. I, maybe none of you even thought that. But anyway, was, oh, that, that, that's, that's a great word. I, I, I heard people say, that's a great word, Pastor. That, that's good. I'm glad you received it. But it's not enough to get a sword. You have to start using the sword. If you want to get ahead, you got to use the. It's time to start speaking the word. Is anybody catching this? Am I wasting my time? Are you catching this? It's time to start speaking something. You need to say to this mountain. You need to confess this word. You need to stand on your promises. You need to repeat what God said. You need to pray the word back to him. Don't let it depart from your mouth, but meditate in a day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. You know, they say now that kids are on social media or TV or something at least four hours a day, and that's down from where it was. When are we going to start meditating? On the word. I don't know, I don't know about you, but my phone at the end of the week tells me how much time I spent on it. Every week I repent. That's because y'all keep bugging me. Y'all keep. I know there's plenty to do. Isn't it interesting that the first thing we look at when we get up is our phone instead of heaven? Could we not at least keep the phone off until we've prayed? Do you really want the world and the devil to give you your daily instructions before God gives you instruction? Yeah, it's quiet. We changed denominations right here. We just quit. We're quitting. We're not Pentecostal anymore. Hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, Jesus. Okay. For then, what's going to happen? What's going to happen if you put the word in your life? For then you will make your way. What? Say it louder. And then you will have. What? Have I not commanded you? I'm not. It's not a suggestion. You know what I feel like right now? Under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, I feel like some of you can come to this altar and I can look you square in the face and say, be strong. And it's not a suggestion from me. It's the word, a prophetic word of God that will come into your life and you'll feel the strength of the Holy Ghost to defeat every fear in your life. That's what he's saying here. I'm commanding it. I'm prophesying it. I'm not telling you to be strong because honestly, a lot of us don't have it. Don't have the ability to call it up. But I'm here to tell you strength is already in you. You just need someone to prophesy over you in the name of Jesus. Be strong and good courage. Do not be afraid nor dismayed for the Lord your God 
is with you wherever, wherever, whatever situation you find yourself in. Years ago when I was first saying, I didn't understand that scripture where David said, if I make my bed in hell. I thought, yeah, David, if you're going to backslide, God's going to chase you. That's not what David's saying. How many know sometimes your bed is in hell? You didn't backslide. You didn't go there. You just Your life is H-E double hockey sticks. It's bad. Am I talking to anyone that's ever spent a few nights in the hell hotel? I got a word for you. When you booked that room in hell hotel, the room belonged to Jesus. He's in the room with you. Wherever you go, he is with you. Wherever you go, Matthew 28, we close with the promise. The Great Commission. Jesus came and spoke to his disciples. All authority, say all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore. Go. He said, I've got all the power, so go. Go, therefore. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think it was Gallup did a, a poll of Christians recently, and they asked these Christians this question, what is the Great Commission? Does it, how many know what the Great Commission is? No, really. If you know what it is, raise your hand. Whew. I've done my job. I just read it. Guess what percentage of those Christians that were polled, how, what, what percentage of them did not know what the Great Commission? 60% did not know what the Great Commission was. But they go to church every Sunday and emotionally connect with the music. <laughs> and they feel good, but they have no idea what their purpose is. They don't know the great commitment. My God, Jesus didn't save us for so you can feel good. He saved you so you can get on mission. How many know you got a mission? I don't care who you are. I'm not called to preach. I'm not talking about preaching. I'm talking about doing what God called you to do. Well, I don't know what it is. Read your Bible. You don't even have to read the whole thing. Just read Matthew. You don't even have to read all of Matthew. Just read the 28th chapter. You don't even have to read the whole chapter. Just read the last few verses. Just go. Quit sitting on your spiritual derriere and go. Whew. 
I said go. It's time to go. Stand with me if you're ready to go.